Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. As we take a look at the last in the series on the scoundrels, um, the, the title is How to Conquer the Scoundrels, How to Conquer the Scoundrels, and, and I want to focus on verses 17 to 25. And, you know, I'm always fascinated how people can infiltrate on the inside of the church and how they are able to, to lead people astray. Uh, and when I speak about the church, capital C, uh, church, the universal church, uh, and they're able to, to get in in a very subtle way, and as they do that, they're able to uh, lead people astray. And as they lead people astray, uh, little cults begin to, to form. And um, you, you pick it up in, in secular society how people infiltrate um, uh, through theft, uh, through crime, uh, through different investigations. And, and you think that this person uh, is such a good person, but unfortunately they're, they come in and infiltrate in such a subtle way that they are able to, to lead people astray. And um, wh- one of those is the former, or certainly not in the church, but with reference to, to theft, is the former WA public servant, uh, Paul White, who was just recently sentenced to, to 12 years of jail time for stealing 27 million of taxpayer money. And uh, you would have picked it up. And, and as he does that, uh, you begin to see that, oh, he's such a good guy. Uh, we, we never ever thought that that was possible. But $27 million later that they've been able to track, unfortunately, um, uh, has gone by the wayside. And so uh, there's an article that I read called A Threat from Within, where, where it's, it's people who come on the inside and you think, well, they have good intentions and they're really not bad people, but in a very subtle way begin to win people over and lead them astray. Now, folk, that might be theft. He'll do his time uh, and it's all over. But I think in Christianity... There are eternal consequences to some people coming in to uh, the universal church and creating corruption. And, uh, you know, there are uh, eternal consequences because there is this spiritual intimidation. Uh, You know, this, this infiltration and often in a very subtle way are able to share false doctrine. And if you don't know what is right it's difficult to pick up what is wrong. And so they come in, and they are pretty charismatic in in the way they present themselves, and they're pretty convincing, and in a subtle way, people are led astray. And uh, we call those people uh, people that are apostates, people who come in and, and, you know, create what we might call an attraction to apostasy. And, and what that uh, word apostasy means, they, they used to stand strong once upon a time, but have moved away from the truth. So once upon a time, they were solid in their faith, 
but other things have crept in and have allowed them to, to be led astray. And so, uh, you know, the, the, they were good people once upon a time, but um, uh, apostasy has crept in, and, and it's the, this uh, act of uh, refusing to continue to follow, to obey, or to recognize a religious faith. And they find some good here, some good there, some good somewhere else, and that uh, creates their own doctrine and can easily lead people astray because they are so convincing and so manipulative in the way they're able to do that. Uh, I was at a, a conference once, and we had this professor in psychology, uh, and he said that when Jesus stood up and he said, Teteleste, you know, it is finished, uh, what Jesus was actually saying, I am finished. Phew, it's been hard, I'm finished. And he died. Now, folk, that is not true. And how do we know that? Because if we know what is true, you pick up that that's error. And I thought, oh, maybe I've been, I had it wrong. So I ran off to the, the library uh, and, and looked up this Greek word and, in detail. And, and I came back and I, and I had to actually address it and, and say, unfortunately, that's not what Jesus said. Because then death conquered him rather than he conquered death. So Jesus never said, I am finished. He actually said, it is finished. Tetelese, it is complete. It's fulfilled. People can creep in and easily lead others astray through eloquent words and through junk. Um, uh, we, we know about that in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, where, where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, listen, in these latter days, there'll be people that, that, that will come uh, and lead you astray and, and will lead you away from the actual faith. Now, that's possible, and you've seen that happen over years. Um, you know, in 2 Thessalonians ch um, chapter 2, uh, verse 3, in that next slide, you'll see that, that uh, you know, um, Paul warns the church in Thessalonica, and he says, uh, do not let anyone deceive you in any way, except there be a falling away first. And so there is this danger that, that people will fall away. Uh, it looks okay from a narrow perspective, but from an eternal perspective, as you can see, uh, there is error. And if you don't pick up that error, it could easily lead us uh, far away from where God is. And so apostasy is this teaching that is non-biblical, and it's far from the truth, and that creates a little bit of anarchy, you see. And, um, you know, but before that anarchy takes place, uh, there's a lot of apathy. Uh, apathy. And, folk, we live in a day and age where, where culture is so important, but unfortunately, uh, we've mixed it up. And in that next slide, you'll see that uh, it's important to actually take, uh, you know, our culture through the grid of the Bible not the Bible through the grid of culture. So the Bible is more superior than our culture. And, and you've often heard people say, well, you know, there is a danger that, you know, that the Bible is outdated and we live in a, a modern society and then it's a postmodern society and we've landed up to be a post-Christian society uh, because we've actually taken... Things that are written in Scripture and say, well, you know, that's outdated. You know, and you say, well, Christophides, you know, you're a little bit old-fashioned. But, folk, uh, if it was good enough for my grandmother and grandfather, it should be good enough for me. 
And so when we hold on to some of these things that are more cultural than biblical, then we allow the Bible to be put through the grid of our culture rather than the other way around, that our culture goes through the grid of the Bible and we hold on to what comes out of that. And that's extremely dangerous. Now, Jesus warned us of this in Matthew uh, 24, 12, where where he said, uh, you know, because of iniquity, there will be an abundance of apathy, and and the love of many will wax cold. And, folk, that word wax cold, um, uh, psycho, is is when you have a hot cup of tea or coffee, you you blow a little bit into it so it cools down so you can drink it. Now, there is this intention to cool things down in society that we often move away from Scripture and don't even know it. And we begin to wax cold, as it were. And before we know it, it's hard to rewarm it. And there is that leading astray. And so we, we need to come back to the things of God. And I think this book of Jude is so applicable in July 2022 because Jude writes to us and he says, be careful that these things will happen. Beware, these things will happen. Like a parent warning a child, be careful if you uh, go and uh, get involved in that, it's going to lead you astray, you know. Be careful of that. And you don't want to have to tell your kid afterwards, I told you so. But there is a warning, and we need to take heed on that warning. And so Jude writes uh, this very relevant book, and in verses 1 to 4, we had these words of exhortation, and he explains to us what is this apostasy, this moving away from the truth. And then in verses 5 to 10, uh, what, uh, who these scoundrels are, these people who come, uh, you know, in a very hidden way and, and try to lead people astray. And then verses 11 to 16, this, this description of how easy it is to be led astray. And then today I want to share with you from verses 17 to 25 on how to conquer these scoundrels, how to conquer these scoundrels. So we read Jude verses 17 to 25. First in the New International Version, and I love the way uh, it's put in the message as well. Verses 17 to 25. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last days there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy fixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. The message puts it this way. But remember, dear friends, 
that the apostles of our master Jesus Christ told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but, do not, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks in high, or to high heaven. Now to him who can keep you on your feet, standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating, to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time, and now and to the end of all time. Yes. What can we learn from this? I think the first point I want to make is that we need to be keeping our spiritual radar on. Keeping our spiritual radar on. Because he says uh, in verse 17, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. That word remember, firstly, it's a verb. In other words, we are constantly going toward and making an effort to remember this word uh, noime. Bear this in mind. Make sure that you, you keep it close to your side. Make sure that you recall it and recollect it always that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and that what the apostles wrote is important. In other words, what is found in the Word of God is crucial because Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, 11 that there will be people who come in who who take doctrine and they twist it and they could easily lead us astray. And folk, it's not just with one blow of that teacup or the coffee cup that it becomes cold. It's slowly, as you blow onto it over and over again, it cools down. It waxes cold, if you like, to use that particular metaphor. In fact, Paul predicted this in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 30, where we read, Also of your own selves shall people arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And so there is that danger that people creep in and lead others astray. In 2 Peter 2 uh, verse 1, we read that, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there will be false prophets among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And so what, what we read here is that, Don't be surprised when these things creep in and lead you astray. Because they're not going to say to you, listen, come and sign on the dotted line that we're a cult and that you want to follow us. Hand your money over. That's too blatant. But they come in and slowly begin to deceive and lead people astray. Folk, we need to never forget that this book called the Bible is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And so uh, Jesus taught, the apostles remembered that and wrote it down, and through the years it's been canonized, put into 
uh, authoritative form for you and me to read and hold on to. As I said earlier, if we allow culture to be more superior than the Word of God, I think we're in trouble. I think we're in trouble. And so if we don't know what it says, then it's easy to be led astray. And so let's make sure that we don't hold on to some new fad or some new craze that comes in because new stuff came in and it's gone already. And I want to suggest to you this morning, if it is new, it's not true. If it is new, it's not true. And if it is true, it's not new. Sunday morning it's cold. Let me say that again. <laughs> if it is new, this, com- this person comes up with this new revelation, I suggest it's not true. And if it's not true, or if it's true, then it's not new. Because it's found in the Word of God. And folk, if we abide by the authority of the Word of God, I think we'll go places. Be careful that other people don't creep in and slowly begin to lead us astray. And we must be careful in our culture. Well, each one to his own. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And so, John 16, verse 4, Jesus said, Remember I told you so. When these things happen, you should not be surprised about it. Because there will be this immoral teaching that will come in and will lead people astray. You see, in verse 19 we read that there are people who divide you. Because the scoundrels are there to divide. They're there to divide. That's their intention. It's like a roaring lion walking around, we read, seeking whom he can devour. And the lion doesn't take on, you know, the the strongest animal. It takes on the weak ones, the ones that are a little bit ill and not well. But they're there to divide and conquer, if you like. And that's what these scoundrels were doing. They were coming in and infiltrating the church. He says these are people who divide. This word, divide... Uh, in the New Testament that Jude used, it's the only place that uh, Jude uses. It's the word apodiorizo. It means to disjoin or separate. To disjoin or separate. Only time in the whole New Testament that this word is used. They come in and their intention is to divide. You see, they create their own boundary lines and they expect you to abide by those boundary lines, and they begin to, to uh, think that they are part of the spiritual elite. In fact, in 1 John, we read about this as well, because by the end of the first century, there were uh, what we call these Gnostics, Gnostics, coming from the Greek word gnosis, knowledge, that they felt that, you know what, we are better than everybody else because we have a special revelation. So these people come in with a special revelation, set their own boundaries, and they feel that they are elite, and if you can abide by their boundaries, then you fit in with them, then you're part of the intelligentsia. And that's dangerous, because it could be subtly contrary to what the Bible says but they're able to, uh, to be eloquent and lead people astray in a very subtle way. And that's how cults start. And so uh, these people have infiltrated, beware, we're told. They split churches. They separate believers because that's their intention to divide. In fact, they even separate family members. 
They separate family members, and that's extremely dangerous. And, and Jude writes, and he says, they are sensual or have natural instincts. The, the word there, uh, psychiki, uh, they act kind of with their own selfish desires from a worldly perspective. And they believe that they're right, and they are above everybody else, and sorry you don't make it. And he says, listen, they have not the Holy Spirit. That word not is, is two letters, me. Me. And, and it, it's a powerful word. Uh, when we were kids and we were about to do something wrong, uh, my beautiful Greek mother would say, Me, do not. Your life will come to an end. <laughs> you know what I mean. And she was serious. It means not. It means never. It means nothing. He's, what, what Jude is warning us, ha, these people have not the Spirit. They have no spirit present in their lives, and so they're able, without a conscience, to lead people astray. So, turn your spiritual radar on, and remember whose we are. But also, despite these scoundrels, we're encouraged to keep the faith. And folk, in, in difficult times, it's not easy to keep the faith. You begin to doubt What's going on here? But he warns us in verse 20, and he says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Building yourselves up uh, in your most holy faith. And that word uh, building um, has got to do with, you, you know, laying a, a, a proper foundation so you can build. I've never seen a builder who lays a beautiful foundation and builds somewhere else. So if we have our foundation right, then we can begin to build on that. And it's, it's one step at a time. One step at a time. And so we, we begin uh, not to, to get frightened about these people creeping in, but we want to defend the truth. But if we don't know what the truth is, it's hard to defend it. And so when, when he talks about building ourselves up in the most holy faith, there's um, an element of building up our holy character. Uh, and Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, encouraged uh, in his writings that we build up in our holy character. That, that we need to make sure that, that our character is important. Because, folk, we might get lucky uh, and make a fortune and that might come instantly. But for most people, to build wealth and fortune, it comes uh, with time, one step at a time. And I think as human beings, we find too many excuses why our character should not be holy. Why our character should not be holy. But God is saying, if the Spirit dwells within, then there needs to be a character that is characterized by holiness. Because God is a holy God, and He wants us to live holy lives. And I never want to think that this is easy, but it does take an effort. And that's why the church stands together. We are diverse in our characters, in our personalities, but there is a unity in our diversity. And together we encourage each other to live a holy life. But also think that we need to build a, a, a solid foundation. And that's based on the Bible and on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's a progressive work, and we carry on building together. Folk, 
These people creep into the church and they feel that they are better than everybody else, but they lack in holy character. They say, well, I've been a Christian for so many years and I'm mature in my faith. Well, it doesn't show in the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't show. We know in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, those nine fruit of the Spirit. Let me impress you. Forgot them. <laughs> Pride. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit are crucial because we don't boast about them. But that word fruit is not plural, it's singular, that all of us are to hold on to that fruit. It's one basket, and all of us should have that fruit in that one basket and should be living it out. That shows maturity. You can know your Bible backwards. You can wax eloquent, quote verses, but if it doesn't translate into holy character, then that is extremely dangerous. And that's where the scoundrels come in and grab people and lead them astray. But I think it's also important uh, where uh, we need to make sure that we're always praying in the Spirit, he says. Praying in the Spirit. Uh, in verse 20, he, sa- he writes to us and he says, uh, praying in the Spirit. You see, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's hard to pray effectively. Then it becomes a tradition and it becomes a motion. But Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are part of the person praying in the Holy Spirit. It's a holy exercise that allows the Trinity to be involved. It allows uh, us to be led by uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And through prayer, uh, we keep watching out for the enemies of our faith. Through prayer. We keep watching that, you know, that, that be careful I don't go wrong through communicating with God. And folk, uh, that's important. And then he says to us that we need to keep looking for mercy, to keep looking for mercy. Why is that? Verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Why does he say we need to keep looking for mercy? I think because, you know, it's deeply needed. We need God's mercy. We often talk about grace and mercy. And more recently, I've been thinking about that. It's actually the other way around. Mercy and grace. And I don't want to be pedantic on that. But mercy is God withholding what we deserve. Because we are pretty rebellious. We're pretty rebellious in our nature. And if you don't think you're rebellious, then you're in denial. Because our natural tendency is to move away from God. That's our nature. But our disposition is to go toward God. But in his mercy, he actually releases us from that. In his grace, he gives us actually more than we deserve. So mercy, withholding what we do deserve because of our rebellion, grace giving to us what we don't deserve. And in that process, he says that we need to hold on to that. To hold on to that because it's deeply needed. But it's also freely offered for those who are in in Christ. And he uses this word, keep yourselves in God love. The word keep, tireo, means attend to it carefully. Guard it. Observe it. And watch out for it. Because it's crucial that you have it. 
You see, it's important because it cost Jesus Christ his life. Cost him his life. And it's applied to you and me through the Holy Spirit. But then he uses a beautiful concept here to wait in his mercy. And that word waiting, um, it it means uh, continue to look at what God is doing in that time of waiting. Continue to look what God is doing. Don't reject it. Those silent moments in your life where it feels like you're going through a desert experience. Hey, those are good times. Those are good times. And, and what Judy's saying, wait for them because in that process, uh, you, you can continue to be safeguarded by these dangerous errors. You see, when a dangerous person comes in and leads you astray, that's dangerous. But when you're waiting on it and contemplating and meditating on what God is doing, you can be saved from a lot of error. But you can also be saved from a lot of false hope that the world can offer. The world can offer you a false hope. But in waiting, we put our faith and trust in God. And that faith and trust in God is so important for holiness compared to the things of this world. And then let me end off by saying this, that the best way to conquer the scoundrels is uh, to be able to praise God with gratitude, to leave our homes every single morning and to say, God, oh, it's going to be a terrible day. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm going to fight with this person, this one, and that one, so I'm ready. No, it's to be grateful for what we have, that we have life. And he writes and he says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Folk, uh, as we leave our homes in the morning, not only as we come to church on a Sunday morning and, and sing praises to God, but we need to, to adore him who can keep us from falling. To adore him. To, to, uh, I'll never forget when, when my beautiful bride came down uh, the aisle and I looked at her and I'm going, wow. Greek word, wow. <laughs> W-O-W, I said it both ways, you know. <laughs> wow, because it's this... Uh, it's this Greek word, la trevo, I adore her. I adore her. You know, uh, nothing's changed. Um, and, and, you know, as she came, and we, we need to come back to, to this adoration of who Jesus Christ is. To adore him. Because he's the only one that can keep us from falling. And Jude makes that very clear to us from falling, uh, you know, and preventing us from, from this era of doctrine, from him revealing the truth to us and, and not, uh, you know, getting caught in this era of doctrine. He, he's the only one that can keep us uh, from sin as we adore him, as we're grated, grateful to what God has done for us, you know, then, then it's, we're able to focus on him and his goodness. And then you begin to put things into perspective. Then I go, he's loved me so much. And it, it, it encourages me to love others. It, it gives me, um, you know, this, this danger from moving uh, to unbelief. 
it, it, it keeps me from fanaticism, you see. It, it keeps me from, from uh, self-importance and pride as I begin to realize what God has done for me. And can I say this finally, that only God can keep us from falling. The church can't keep us from falling. Groups, secret places, retreats can't keep us from falling. Even the communion table can't keep us from falling. It is only God. You see, sometimes culture and tradition lead us into a difficult place. But only Jesus Christ can keep us from falling. There are some people say, come and experience it. No experience can keep us from falling. Only God can do that. And Luke says, only he is able to keep. That word able, the Greek word viname, where we get the English word dynamite. Only he is able to do something. Only he is capable and strong and powerful to keep you. Philaxo, to guard you, to protect you. To, to focus, it's such a powerful word to actually protect you in such a way that you don't get led astray by your own doing or by others' influence. Only God can do that to keep you from falling. Wow. He is the only one that can do that. And so Luke is warning us. He's warning us that uh, to put our faith and trust in God and in God alone through Jesus Christ as we focus on him and him alone. Why? He says because he's the only God, our Savior. That word only, monos, uh, we get the, you know, the, the mono, uh, he alone, he's the remaining one that has lasted. You know, these other saints have come, these other people have come, these other gurus have come, but they've not lasted. He's the only one that has lasted and stood the test of time, as it were. And so there is a, a two-part observation here that God does his bit when we do our bit. And as God does his bit, he keeps us from falling, and we are part of that. And so we need to glorify him. Why? Because he is the one that deserves glory, Jude says. Uh, to, to make him famous is what it means, because he's the only wise God, our Savior. Glorious, majestic, uh, he has dominion and power. And because of that, we make his name famous. Somebody gave me a compass. I don't know how it works. But I've got it. And if I'm lost, I'll be truly lost. <laughs> it's good. It's beautiful. I can hang it around my neck and claim I've got a compass. But if I don't know how it works, it doesn't really help. I suggest to you we've got a compass for life. But if we don't open the pages, we're lost. And we're lost not only for life, we're lost for eternity. I encourage you to crack the pages of this book and to read it regularly, to study it regularly, because this will keep us from falling 
as we put our faith and trust in Him alone, because this book speaks about the only wise God, our Savior. The only wise God, our Savior. I want to end off with you watching just a two-minute clip. And if there's anything in your life that is not right with reference to our relationship with God, have a look at it, please, and reverse the way you look at things. It's just foolish to think that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world is a comforting thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there's freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost in the need of saving. And that's how I felt before Christ opened my eyes, changed my heart, and reversed my thinking. I am lost and in need of saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be, is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world, that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. It's foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we have been clearly warned by Jude. And Lord, it would be tragic if we don't take heed to that warning. If you're sitting here this morning, you go, well, you know, Sunday morning, that's what we do every Sunday. Or once a month we pop into church and makes us feel good. It's more than that. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and Jude writes to us and, and he says he's the only one who can keep us. But he wants us to make an effort to join with Jesus on our journey of life. And I encourage you to do that. Perhaps you know Jesus but you've been waxing a little bit cold. I encourage you, get hot for him again. 
Perhaps you've not been reading your Bible or praying. Take heed, because that's dangerous. Father, we know that we cannot do it in our own strength, but only by your hand. So go before us, Lord, we pray. Help us to serve you and to serve you well. May our characters be characterized by holiness for you. Help us to do this, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.